0: I'm Dale Denwalt.
2: And I'm Nuria martinez Kiel. You're listening to The Source. Thanks
0: for joining us as we discuss the Oklahomans' most impactful stories with the reporters who wrote them.
2: This week, Governor Kevin Stitt calls the McGirt Supreme Court decision on tribal reservations a defining issue of Oklahoma's future. We'll dive into how tribal leaders and state politicians are approaching the impact of the ruling. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled in July in the case McGirt versus Oklahoma that the Muskogee Creek Nation Reservation was never disestablished and all major crimes committed by tribal members within the original bounds of the reservation must be prosecuted in federal court, not state court. The ruling has been extended to all of the five tribes and covers most of eastern Oklahoma. Reporter Chris Castile has done extensive reporting on the McGirt case. Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Governor Kevin Stitt called on the tribes to come together with state leaders to negotiate the implications of the Supreme Court ruling. The relationship between the governor and the tribes has been strained in the past. What kind of rapport is there, if any, between the two sides at this point?
1: Well, um... Two good questions. The state has a lot of interest in McGirt um, in terms of both criminal jurisdiction and state jurisdiction. One thing thing we should talk about, and you mentioned it in your opening, is that the McGirt case, which was brought by a child rapist whose crime was committed in the historical boundaries of the Creek Nation, um, appealed his conviction saying, hey, I'm an Indian, My crime happened in uh, the Creek Reservation, and the Creek Reservation was never disestablished. Supreme Court agreed with that, that that Creek Nation had never been disestablished. And it was known, this this subject matter had gone before the Supreme Court and been kind of known to a lot of people in the state before this happened, but it was widely assumed by the people following McGirt carefully that whatever decision was made in McGirt, which again was a criminal case in Creek Nation that whatever decision was made in McGirt was going to apply to the other four members of the five civilized tribes: the Cherokees, the Chickasaws, the Choctaws, and the Seminoles. Those five tribes were the ones that were forcibly relocated from southern states back in the 1830s. You know, the Trail of Tears, in and, and formed Indian Territory before statehood. At statehood, there was a mistaken impression, according to the Supreme Court in July of 2020, a mistaken impression that those five reservations, which comprise now most of eastern Oklahoma, were disestablished. But as I, as I said, there was a kind of a widespread feeling that whatever happened with the creeks, was going to apply to those other four. So now we're talking about um, kind of the process of actually formally recognizing the other four reservations, the uh, Cherokees, Chickasaws, Choctaws, and Seminole reservations. It's really just kind of a matter of um, formality. State district courts have already done it. We're waiting on the Oklahoma Court of Criminal Appeals to kind of put the final um, ruling in place that applies McGirt to those other four tribes, it's going to happen, it's, and it could happen in a, in a matter of weeks. So then, what you have is a situation that's, that that is already that already exists in every other state with reservations: Arizona, you know, South Dakota, Montana, where the federal government has to prosecute crimes. That involved Indians. And you mentioned that, you know, committed by Indians, it's not just committed by it, and the, the victims can be Indians as well. And that's the, the um, uh, subject of a uh, death penalty case that involves, uh, that occurred in, in Chickasaw uh, country that's now before the Oklahoma Court of Criminal Appeals. So it's a lot of cases. The federal government does the major crimes. The U.S. Attorney's Office does the major crimes, you know, like rape, like murder. Um, the, the tribes themselves can do some of the more, you know, minor crimes in tribal courts, and they and they've all been gearing up um, since McGirt. All of the tribes have been gearing up. Obviously, the U.S. Attorney's offices uh, in Muskogee and Tulsa have been gearing up. Um, so what the state wants to do and what the what the tribes actually negotiated or even before McGirt came down in July the attorney general Mike Connor was negotiating with some of the with the with the most of the five tribes in the anticipation that it could go their way to say hey we need to be ready to go to congress with some kind of agreement if McGirt goes the way, it, you know, that that we think it might, which is that the reservation was never disestablished. And now half of Oklahoma is basically, you know, one of five Indian reservations. We need to get to Congress quickly with an agreement among us about how to proceed, not just in criminal jurisdiction, but in civil jurisdiction. And what they had kind of hammered out by the time McGirt came out within weeks of McGurt They came out with a kind of a memorandum of understanding that they were going to take to Congress about we want we want to do agreements that basically keeps, you know, the a lot of the Primagert structure in place where the state can still prosecute some of these crimes involving Indians. Well, that agreement broke down when um, the Creeks, excuse me, the Creeks and the Seminoles and then later the Choctaws kind of disavowed it. But the Cherokees and Chickasaws recently came out and said, hey, we want Congress to give us the authority to have agreements with the state about criminal prosecutions. We want the state to be able to, to, to continue to prosecute some of these crimes. We don't want to take it on. You know, they've already they've been doing it since statehood in 1907. We would like them to continue to do some of these, these criminal cases. It just... So we can all just sit down and kind of hash out among the, the, the U.S. De, uh, Justice Department, the tribes themselves, and the state of Oklahoma, hash out agreements about, uh, okay? So I, I know that's a ton of background, but it's necessary background. And the most necessary thing about it is that Congress must get involved. Indian tribes are sovereign nations. They are they are as sovereign as the, as the state of Oklahoma or the city of Oklahoma City and so it's under the US Constitution it's Congress that determines you know Indian treaties and this whole um, uh, structure of criminal prosecution in Indian country is in federal law it's in federal law if you want any changes on reservations and how criminal cases are prosecuted you have to change federal law now Governor Stitt came out with a press release two weeks ago, and then he mentioned and he talked about McGirt, some in his State of the State, as you mentioned the other day. Neither time has he talked about Congress's role in this. And Congress's role comes first. Before you can even compact between the state and the tribes, Congress has to let you do that. So I'm not really clear on why... um, the governor is so intent on doing these negotiations before you even have congressional, um, it, uh, congressional authority to do it. It seems to me like their time may, might be better spent going to Congress. It could take years for Congress. Congress moves very slowly on Indian stuff. They are very distracted now with all kinds of things. They have a new president, they have a new Congress. They're working on stimulus. This is going to be something that could take months or even years to get approved by Congress. So I'm not sure why the um, push by the governor to sit down with the tribes right now, It's it, I think a lot of people would consider it cart before the horse. What's the point until Congress even gives us the authority to do these compacts? Why would we negotiate compacts? It could be years before, and by then we could have a new governor.
0: Well, I mean, you mentioned that, and you know, negotiations can take a long time. Principles in the negotiations can change, um, but assuming that uh, Governor Stitt gets another term and leadership of those, these tribes stay the same, do they have enough of a of a rapport working together um, to to actually come to an agreement, or is there still a lot of hostility out there?
1: So I don't I don't really know. I think. Um... I think they would have to speak for themselves on, you know, to use a word like hostility. And and I think too, to, um, you know, I think the governor has a, a lot of authority to, um, to compact with the tribes, but, um, I think Hunter, Mike Hunter, the AG, who's done a lot of negotiating with them already, and may already have kind of the structure or the framework of an agreement on criminal jurisdiction. That probably, you know, you don't probably need to, you know, reinvent the wheel on that. But I, I think what came out, he advised in a in a, um, uh, a memo a, a few months ago that the legislature be involved in this as well. And one thing that was that kind of came out in these lawsuits that were actually filed by the legislative leadership against the governor on the gaming compacts was the question of can the governor negotiate with tribes on something that's not in state law? So like in 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 regard to gaming, it's sports betting. Can the governor... Um, negotiate a compact with a tribe that includes sports betting when the legislature has never approved sports betting. The answer from the Oklahoma Supreme Court, no, he cannot. The legislature has to, it has to be within state law. So I think Hunter's position, if I'm reading his, you know, what, what he's written about this before, is that the legislature is going to have to do some things legislatively Before there can be legal compacts made with the governor on this. But again, I think a lot of people would see this as cart before the horse since the lobbying, the legislative process in D.C. is going to take months, maybe even years.
2: In his State of the State address Monday, the governor questioned what the McGirt ruling will mean for the criminal justice system in our state. What investments? What evaluations? What understanding have the tribes been making to account for all the lands that now fall under their criminal jurisdiction?
1: Well, they 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 have been trying to to ramp up, and and I think that you know that. Um, uh, um, Chief Hoskins, uh, Principal Chief Hoskins with the Cherokee Nation talked, uh, I think that the tribe has used the tribe's own money, and they're having to beef up at every level. Um, law enforcement, prosecution, um, uh, jails, and all the tribes will have to do that. But again, they are not going to be responsible for the major crimes, you know, they're, that that's going to fall to the US attorneys in these districts. And even just after McGirt, which only involved the Creek Nation, they had to bring in, which is an Eastern District, they had to bring in prosecutors from all over the country to help out, because they're, all, they're, they're not just um, handling new cases, they're having to take cases um, that had been state convictions and then are appealed under by, by McGirt and say, hey, I'm an Indian too, and my crime happened in uh Indian country too and in Creek nation as well I should be automatically released from state custody and yes they are so um the u s attorney has to then find federal charges and refile those in addition to the new cases they're having to do it's it's an incredible shift in uh in 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 jurisdiction and workload and uh, you know it's it's going to be um for years to come, it, it, it's going to, to burden, um, I say that burden in, in a, in kind of a financial man, uh, you know, workforce way, these systems, you know, that, that were set up in which the state prosecuted almost every crime in Oklahoma, you know?
0: Um, I mean, and you're, and you're talking about, you're talking about, uh, criminal stuff, right? Um. That's all I'm talking about. Yeah, that's that's you know that's what the McGurk case was about. But I think there's a little bit of uh, some other things seeping into the discussion. Um, uh, you know, when we hear about um, uh, the, the the sovereignty of of tribes in these areas, you know, people have wondered: Does it affect taxes? Does it affect different kinds of regulations? Um, you know, is is this a little bit too much of the outside world kind of seeping into this one case? Are people trying to um, apply a lot of uh, different things to it, um, or d- d- could McGirt be broad? And, and
1: and I wouldn't say it's been seeping in. It's been a part of the discussion even before McGirt came down. As, as I mentioned, the um, Attorney General Mike Hunter was negotiating with the tribes even before McGirt came down. You know, just just in preparation for you know a decision. That might favor uh, the Creek nation, and they had an agreement on civil jurisdiction as well that would pretty much um, keep the status quo, so the questions that the governor is asking, who regulates oil and gas drilling on uh, in a re- within a reservation who um, who can be taxed by Uh, The state in income tax and you know gross production taxes, whatever kind of what what kind of taxing authority will the tribes now have in their reservations? Those are all legitimate and serious serious questions that Are again, (laughs) they're not easy to answer. I mean, I think there's been Like with most things, um, you know a desire to have these questions answered simply and quickly some of them probably will be because this is not this is not new case. This isn't the first time it's come up. Some of these things have come up. Other things are gonna again take Congress to get involved. They're, they're gonna require compacts. The tribes, the tribal leaders have been stressing that for months. We are ready to compact on these things. We have been compacting with the state on everything from tobacco taxes. Gaming revenue, um, water rights, all kinds of things. We are not strangers to compacting. They just need the authority of Congress to 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 do some of these things, you know. And um, again, it's it's not going to. Some of these things will will take years to to uh, to work out. There there'll never be. Um, you know, this is the final answer on some of these things. As much as everybody wants that to happen, some of these things will have to de- be decided through through courts, through lawsuits. You know, I mean, I think some of you may remember the, the, the story um, a couple months ago about the Seminole Nation um, assessing gross production taxes on uh, oil and gas producers in Seminole County. Well, you know, we tried to get them, I tried to get them to answer, are you... Are you assessing everybody that's drilling in Seminole County, or are you just uh, assessing companies that are drilling on land that's in trust for the tribe with the federal government, which is kind of a different category of land? I mean, that's land, and and there's a lot of it in Oklahoma. (coughs) Tribal headquarters are on land in trust. Casinos are on land in trust. There are parcels of land that the tribes have that are basically in kind of the you know, cont- not control, but custody of the Department of Interior. And and that land is considered Indian land. It's considered Indian country, and federal rules apply there. And it's not land that you can just sell. It's not like fee simple land where you can just decide, hey, I'm going to sell this tomorrow. So there are already restrictions on um, what can be done on that land. And Indians do, the tribes do control um, activity on land in trust. Well, it turns out, you know, a month after everybody's asking, what are you doing? They came out and said, we're only trying to assess uh, taxes on land that's already held in trust by the federal government. But tomorrow they could start assessing companies that are just anywhere in Seminole County to say, hey, that's our reservation. We just don't know. And we don't know exactly how that would play out. I mean, there have been Supreme Court precedents on these things, but there are always wrinkles. There's always this different wrinkle in a case, you know? Um, even though a precedent would seem to apply pretty easily to some of these things, the tribes or the state or whoever might argue, well, this one's a little bit different. We're going to have to, uh, you know, litigate this.
0: Well, it looks like there's a, there's a lot of work ahead for uh, both the state government Congress, tribes, and, and you, as you cover all of this.
1: <laughs> right. There is. And, and and I can't emphasize enough that a lot of it begins with Congress. And it's hard to get their attention. And Congress has really been, you know, just they're the ones who are supposed to deal with Indian matters, Indian treaties, as I said, all these kinds of um, um, questions uh, having to do with, uh, you know, with tribes and jurisdiction and everything it's hard to get Congress to do its job. One of the very first um, Supreme Court cases I I covered when I was in in Washington, D.C., was a case of the Oklahoma Tax Commission versus the uh, um, uh, Pottawatomie smoke shop about tobacco taxes. Do Indian, you know, uh, stores on Indian land have to collect uh, taxes for the state, tobacco, state tobacco taxes. Well, the court's answer was no; they don't have to collect those. But you know what the what the court said throughout that opinion was: Congress needs to get involved in this. This is not; these these questions keep coming before us. Congress could resolve all of this, and it's their job to do it. It's really hard to get Congress to do its job on Indian law.
2: We appreciate you bringing a level of understanding to this case that uh, most people do not have. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh, sharing this information with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us this week. This podcast is possible because of the Oklahoman subscribers. We encourage you to subscribe if you can. You can read all these stories and more every day in The Oklahoman and at Oklahoman.com. Check back next Friday for a new episode.